Hey friends, this is Rob, and welcome to question number 77. What is the official cocktail of New Orleans? It's my conversation with my friend Miguel Solorzano. Beep! Okay. Uh, where I, you've totally completely... Start completely from the beginning. Uh, hey, this is... Uh, Who am I? What's the number of Miguel? Beep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Miguel is the general manager of the Sazerac House in New Orleans. Sarah, what is... If you had to describe to some... Oh, that's a great way. If you had to describe to someone what the Sazerac House is, how would you describe it? Well... I love having you on the podcast because I just push things up. Let me do your work for you. Well, originally, I was confused, and I did address this in the podcast. I mean, the Sazerac has a classic cocktail, and there's a few Sazerac establishments. And so there's a Sazerac bar that's, like, renowned to get a cocktail at. And then I saw this thing called the Sazerac House that came up on my Google Maps, and I was not really sure what it is. Yeah, in New Orleans. It is an interactive, I'll say museum, but that sounds too small, but it's an interactive digital kind of comprehensive, super cool museum-ish experience on the history of not just a Sazerac, which isn't a great cocktail, um, which is a great cocktail. It sounds like I said isn't. Which isn't a great cocktail. (laughs) Which is a great cocktail, but it's also a huge history on New Orleans and the history of how um, starting from coffee houses to bars kind of came to existence. So yes, it's it was a lot cooler than I expected. I expected it to be cool, but it was even cooler. Yes. And it's free. Hey, you know, like a freebie. <laughs> but really, I do like a freebie. I'm so pumped about this conversation because it dives all into cocktails in New Orleans. Whether you live in New Orleans or you're visiting New Orleans or you have visited New Orleans, or you hope to visit New Orleans at some point in time. If you love cocktails, this conversation is for you. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past decade, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director, and this is my podcast, where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get best, to try, do you think, I feel like, do you think, who's Kit Bass? (laughs) Do you think, you think that this would get easier at some point? After like seven, we are sitting right now at uh, our dining room table. In front of me, I have a notebook, I've got a pencil, I've got paper, and this script thing that I read every week, and you'd think I would have it memorized or I'd get better at this. But I feel like every but time last, I'm doing it, you and you're in front of me stunted. staring at me two feet away. Let me do it for you. Okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> for those of you joining us for the first time. Make it personal. My so- name is Sarah Morgan. And for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. Not. Uh, this is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do and find out who they are and why they do it, and what I can learn from them. 
I'm joined, as always, by my wife. Me, Sarah. Oh, a new personality. Back <laughs> to you, was, Rob. That was amazing. Typically, Sarah and I are sitting down recording these. I think the majority of the time we were at our dining room table. Yeah. But we've done other, like... Cemetery, crazy, backyard, some, yeah, weird shit. Yeah. Streets of Cologne, Frankfurt. Yeah, we've done these, recorded these intros uh, beneath cathedrals. We've done them in airports. Not my choosing, but yes. I know. I'm that, always forcing you. I'm like, oh, I've got this thing. I got to put out an episode. We got to re- record something with me. Typically, when possible, we are sitting down drinking a Guinness, but I feel like that would just be sacrilege for this episode. We have to be drinking the official cocktail of New Orleans. We're sitting with Sazerac's in front of us. Cheers, Hofi. Did you know that they're actually, in this conversation, we actually dive into it, and they, there is a freaking official cocktail of New Orleans. It's That's the only cool. city in America that has their own official cocktail, and it's like they pass legislation in New Orleans. Like there's a state flower like the and sta- there's, yeah, there's a there's, city cocktail. Yeah. I wish we had one in Minneapolis. I wonder what it'd be. What do you think the Minneapolis cocktail would be? I kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like the old-fashioned I mean, it's not tied to Minneapolis, but it's like if you're a good bar in Minneapolis, you can make a good old-fashioned. And you probably have one on your menu with some sort of weird twist. Yeah, I think that'd make a great city cocktail. Uh, but kind of basic, but but great. Generic, but great. That is why I'm so pumped about this conversation, uh, because about the, talking about Sazerac's cocktails, and we dive into Sazerac the whiskey. We talk about tasting it. We talk about travel. We talk about... Uh, we talk about actually how ordering cocktails and specifically you and me when we're at a bar and we are drinking cocktails, how that scenario is actually reflective of a massive intentionality of how you and I travel. But before I dive into all that, I want to say that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Blackwing. Now I know what you're thinking, Sarah. Dear God, another pencil commercial. (laughs) If I have to listen to one more freaking pencil commercial... Yeah, my life with you is like a rolling pencil commercial <laughs> okay, because I, all you're doing is talking about pencils. Okay, I wasn't planning. I wasn't planning on that for you to say that, but uh, the, get it? That's kind of like a funny joke because who does you, you know? Like typically, when people are talking about having like sponsorships on a podcast, they're talking about like Casper mattresses or you know MeUndies or <laughs> you know how to build your own website. Any of these things, nobody freaking is sponsored by a pencil company and I'm so pumped about this. And here's why, Sarah. What are you looking at? I'm just... Are you just staring you're off just talking space? about pencils. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm just sort of like half here. I, I was <laughs> reflecting on dinner. Was, you're reflecting on the dinner you had? It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> like... New Orleans good. It was a New Orleans dish. That's what the server told me. It's so good. I want to go back and eat it. Sarah, I love this right now because you, this is so genuine. You saying you talk about pencils like it, pencils to initially. I bet someone listening right now is thinking, I don't. What am I listening? What am I listening to a pencil commercial for? But I here's will the say the pencils that you are into are exquisite. Yes, as Be- someone who's you're into pencils, I'm just into good writing utensils. Yes, on a mediocre average level like yeah. any sort of proper professional should be and i think they're fantastic here's a story behind it i think it's super interesting blackwing pencils were a super famous pencil company that had a cult following by a bunch of different creators and artists throughout the 20th century it's like some of the people that used blackwing pencils were john steinbeck Ooh, chuck cool. jones quincy jones walt disney quincy jones yeah walt disney steven soundhelm and even though they had this massive cult following they shut down in like the early 90s mm. the company went under because of that 
people wanted these pencils so much and they had like this such a massive lore about them that the pencils that were going for online, people were selling them and people were paying $40 a pencil. Oh my god! For this freaking thing I have right in front of me. People love this thing and seeked it out. Sucked it out? Seeked it out? They looked for sought. it. They sought it out. Seeked. <laughs> sucked uh, it out. They sucked oh, it god. out so much <laughs> so that uh, they were paying 40 bucks for this pencil. Now this is a freaking awesome pencil. I, I hope uh, God lives in that pencil. Th it's a two-part reason why I'm talking about this right now. Number one, I think it's the best pencil in the world. I've, you know, you're already, you're bored of me talking about them. I, uh, have nerded out for so long to find the best pencil. But besides that, I think that if you are a curious person, part about being part of being a curious person, I think that you should be carrying a pencil with you at all times. Every day of my life, I am carrying a pencil with me. I have one of these black wings. They make these covers that slide over the top so it saves the point you can stick it in your pocket. It's part of my everyday carry. Uh, when I was interviewing Miguel for this interview, I had this pencil on me because the reason I think a pencil is so important to my creative process and so many of the people I look up to and have researched throughout the years is that it. it I think it is important to, number one, separate your creative process into creating and editing and I also think in this world where we're constantly on our phones, typically if someone's listening to this right now, they're listening to, to it on their phone. Mm -hmm. And I think in a world where we constantly have distractions, it, I, it is super important for me uh, to be creative at times where I am not using any sort of technology. So when I write like first drafts of the stories and periodicals I write for different magazines, I will write my first drafts always with a pencil. I always have it on me. I prefer the Blackwing 602s. It's uh, the wood is made out of Japanese cedar, and Ooh. the core is a uh, American graphite. I think medium firm. If you <laughs> if you want to check out Blackwing, and I think you should go to thecuriouspod.com/slash/blackwing to find out more. Uh, Sarah, this episode, I'm so pumped about this. How this episode came about is we were traveling to New Orleans a few weeks back. Just took the week off and we were just going there to explore as much as possible. And for us, going to bars and I think I think is one of the greatest ways you can get to know a city is to go to a bar, sit down specifically at the bar. That's like a curiosity thing. I think yeah. if you are, if you don't want to talk to anybody or you want to be left alone, go get a table. But the way we travel, I feel like sitting down at a bar allows for just more natural conversation to happen mm. between the bartender that's there, uh, sure. the people around you. You are, Sarah, you're so good at when we're going to go to a city. One of the things I love traveling with you is because you are you are just naturally curious about finding really interesting places to <laughs> go, like yeah. local places that I would have never thought of. You are researching a ton beforehand, and but more so than just the places you go and visit. What's really what I've really learned from you is that you will research local foods that a city is known for. Yeah, like we were right when we got to New Orleans. Uh, we got in on a Monday, I think it was. I think so. And you said, well, you know, in New Orleans, you you eat red beans and rice mm, on Mondays. so good. 
Uh. Okay, that, that example that I just pulled out of my butt, red beans and rice in New Orleans. I think that you can just say, oh, well, you'll just go to a restaurant and you got to try red beans and rice. But I think the even cooler thing that you are willing to dive into is letting your curiosity lead you even further into that situation. Like, okay, why is red beans and rice a thing in New Orleans on Mondays? Yeah. And do you remember learning about that? Okay, so the history, from my understanding, is that red beans and rice were typically served on Mondays because... They could sit on the stove and simmer all day while you were doing your laundry because Monday, Monday was, was typically, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Are you, is this there. your story? Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> because Monday was typically laundry day. So you can't, you know, sit at the stove and watch it all day. So you just let it simmer. Oh, man, I'm fascinated by that. So this is like just normal, boring dish. If you dive into it a little bit deeper and ask, what, ask some better questions about it, that's goes the same with cocktails. And so we're going to New Orleans. And know. I didn't even know that New Orleans was such a cocktail scene. I mean, it's a big city, so I assume there were some cool cocktails. Yeah. But, I mean, it holds some sort of annual national cocktail convention, and it's yeah. like an epicenter for that industry, which is super cool. If you are into cocktails, the national like cocktail convention thing it's called tales of the cocktail and it it takes place in new orleans once a year right but anyways we we knew we wanted to get some sazerac cocktails in us but here's the thing you're going to new orleans there's this place that just opened up called the sazerac house i just think this is fascinating for anybody interested in cocktails and travel if you are visiting New Orleans, I highly recommend going and checking out the Sazerac House. I feel like I know a pretty good amount about cocktails and uh, whiskey, and I feel like you do too. But this place, I felt, I feel like I learned something going to this. Shout out to Matt, by the way, who hung out with us the entire time we were there. Matt's a badass, and he walked us through the whole place, gave us like this VIP tour. Afterwards, we met up with my friend Miguel, who is the general manager and we followed him up to the third floor into the craziest room I've possibly ever been in when it comes to sensory deprivation. As soon as the door closes, you can't smell or hear anything that's outside that room. This is my conversation with Miguel at the Sazerac House in their tasting room in New Orleans. Cheers, friends. I've been trying to say cheers in most of my email signatures for yeah, BCG. Me too. Cheers, Ovi. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you. We should end it every episode with a cheers. Until like going into the episode? Here's my episode with John Schuer. Okay. Cheers. Do you have anything you want to say? Any closing remarks? I think I'd like to say cheers. Cheers. That was really thoughtful. <laughs> hey, that was really thoughtful. Thanks for that. Hey, Hofi. You know what? I've been thinking I've been thinking about us. I've been thinking about you, and I just want to say, cheers. Oh, cheers. <laughs> cheers, bro. <laughs> you know, I was gone all last week. I didn't get to see you. I missed you. And I just want to say, cheers. <laughs> so you are sitting at the, on the third floor of the Sasrock house. Okay. Look at it at the corner of Canal and Magazine, downtown New Orleans. The room in itself is called an organoleptic lab. We utilize this room for high-end tastings where we want to ensure that your senses are not compromised when enjoying a product. In many cases, uh, this room it is utilized by our team uh, to get themselves 
really well trained on identifying the differences between rye and cognac and uh, other type of brandies. So, yes. Uh, that's what this room is used for. It is, it's so cool because we came in here, we saw this on part of the tour we were just on. And looking in here, it just looked like a really, uh, a really wooden, clean room with bottles on the walls on these shelves. But coming in here, all of a sudden, you were saying it's pressurized yes. in here. Also, well, I'm really nervous that like like the oxygen's gonna get sucked out of the room. Like, no, but we want to make sure that again, so that your senses are not compromised. So the, the one of the very important senses when tasting products is your sense of smell. If you are smelling high colognes, high perfumes, or bitters production. So for us, on the other side of these windows, yeah. we are producing bitters. Yeah. And bitters is very fragrant. So if we were able to get all that scent into this area, it will compromise the way that you're tasting the product that you have in front of you. Yes. Uh, so we were very careful in, in uh, selecting uh, equipment in here that will um, purify the air and give you an opportunity to taste the way that tasting should be. Okay, so what are we tasting right now? Uh, so you're uh, tasting right now Stag Junior. Stag Junior is one of our uncaught, unfiltered, uh, whiskey is produced out of our Buffalo Trays distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, this one particularly is 131.9 proof. Uh, so it is a, an explosive but full flavor, rich and um, great as a, as a sipping whiskey yes. as you have been enjoying. Okay, I, so I'm tasting, first of all, this is, it. I feel, I feel so excited about sipping this whiskey right now because I almost feel like in this room this is the first time I'm really tasting and smelling pure whiskey because I'm in I'm in this room I can't smell anything else I can't taste anything else this, this is, is this the, first time you like is, this the is this the first time I've ever like only smelled pure whiskey yes. it's, it's kind of fun so um, but as I'm tasting this I this is a really high proof whiskey and I think even before you poured this you're like mm -hmm. are you are you guys fine drinking this high proof uh, and I think a lot of people shy away from something this uh, potent. Correct. Uh, so if you, but I, I think there's so much, I love the amount of flavor and oils. It's just the pure product. Like we're in a pure room drinking pure product here. And whenever tasting something that you consider to be high proof, because it could be 90. Yeah. And for you, 90 might be high yeah. or 100 or so on and so forth. Um, we always recommend our visitors to at least um, cleanse their palate or, or acclimate their, their palate first. Okay. Like take the first sip, let it rest on your okay, tongue. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, your advice on how to yes, taste it. Yes, yeah. let it rest on your tongue so that at least your mouth understands, wow, there's a lot happening here. Uh, but once you take that first sip and you go back for a second, now you start to realize where the product is hitting. Is it hitting in the front of the tongue? Is mm. it hitting in the back of the tongue? How much it lingers? Um, yeah. The flavor components of it, you start to identify corn, caramel, vanilla, and butterscotch, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And that comes out of the product, whether it is Stag Junior, whether it is Sassarac Rye, or whether it is Buffalo Trace, yeah. any product in general. If you were tasting this and you were trying to be as analytical as possible, like mm -hmm. where I'm, I'm tasting this, I'm just enjoying it. I'm thinking, I'm thinking and drinking, which yeah. is a phrase I've kind of learned on this. Uh, <laughs> I interviewed a uh, sommelier oh, and wow. she gave me, she said a phrase that she always think, talks about uh, with people she's teaching is thinking and drinking. And I have just become passionate about that. of always tasting and asking questions in my mind when I'm having something. And so I'm still enjoying this, but if you were going to be 
analytical about it and like really focused on that. Would you add water to this personally or how would you approach this? So first of all, it's very important that if you notice this room is very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to, if you're doing this in an analytical way, you're going to go into a quiet environment that doesn't affect your senses and you're focused and your, your entire energy is on what is in front of you and what is going into your mouth because it is the smell, it's the taste and how it really feels within uh, your mouth. All of that pays um, great importance. But if you're talking, if you're, there's a lot of background noise, then your senses are all over the place and you're not able to identify the true yes. flavor profile that the spirit has. That's so interesting because I thought I think I've heard that when say if someone were to go blind that uh, I don't know if it's a wide step I've just heard it that the other senses become more magnified mm -hmm. and I've never thought about how like if I want to be focused on something how can I turn off other senses yes. and I'm that way with in music if I'm doing a session I'm obviously in a soundproof room uh, but I've never thought about my other senses like maybe maybe I should if I'm listening to something turn off the lights. Or make sure it's comfortable yeah. and so I'm not cold or uh, even the smell could be a distraction from it. That's fascinating. So here's my introduction to Sazerac, by the way. Certainly. So I was, uh, it was about, I'm going to say about two years ago. Okay. I was in Chicago and I was at a bar and the bartender comes up to me and he says, "He's what can I make for you? And I said, I'll have a Sazerac because after my buddy Andre, uh, who's a mutual friend of ours, uh, it, introduced me to the Sazerac. It's become one of my favorite cocktails. It's complex. Uh, and so I was like, I'll, t I'll have a Sazerac. He puts down a glass in front of me and he pours me a two ounce pour from a bottle uh, and he puts the bottle back on the shelf and he just slides it right to me. And even the look on your face right now, you're like confused right now. And the bottle, and he slides it to me and that was the exact look on my face. And I was like, oh, I ordered a Sazerac. He said, oh, I, that, that's what I poured you. And he shows me and it was a bottle of Sazerac. Sazerac rye. Yes. Oh. So it was the, then it was that confusion. And I, and I said, oh, I'm, oh, I meant the cocktail. And he goes, oh, I've never heard of that. And I, I was... I was thinking, okay, you're calling my bluff. Now we're just being lazy, right? <laughs> you just twisting my leg here. But you actually bring a good point, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why we have developed a home place in the city of New mm. Orleans. Uh, not only it is to introduce you to the history and traditions of cocktails and how much New Orleans contributes to that culture, but also is realizing that the Sasser Company dates back to the 1850s in New Orleans, mm -hmm. just 300 yards from when we're really? sitting right now. Yeah. Uh, so there was a Sassar cocktail, uh, coffee house, excuse me, just uh, uh, on the 100 block of Royal Street. And that's where the, our history on uh, the story of Sassarac really began. Yeah. Uh, it begins with spirits. It begins with cognac. And then it was American rye whiskey. We've introduced so many different products along the many years of the, of, of the company. The fact that we're still family owned and operated, the yeah. family is from New Orleans, lives in New Orleans. Um, and now we have a place to show it all yeah, uh, and to talk about it and, and to immerse you into what we all, what we are all about. Yeah. I've always had this thought that we are in this culture where you, I, I love like the coffee culture mm -hmm. right now where we're at, where as nerdy as you want to get about coffee, yes. you can dive into it. And there is where we're at in Minneapolis. There's such a cool coffee scene. Same with cocktails. When this like the best time ever for cocktails, I think. And I've always been fascinated about it because I've always felt that um, 
friends of mine that work in the coffee scene in Minneapolis are always intermingling and are friends with friends of mine that are in the cocktail scene. And it's a lot of things of the intentionality behind it and nerding out about it, like making different drinks. Those scenes really blend together. And this is the first time when you said, oh, there was a Sazerac coffee house. I was like, oh, this whole coffee thing and cocktail thing go way back further than I ever thought it did. It did. That location in itself, yes, they were serving coffee. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was used primarily for business. And, okay. Uh, people would go in um, in the 80, in the 1850s. Um, the post office was where you would do a lot of your business. So you okay. would go in there and wait for hours until you receive post. Um, so See, there, I think even that, that's so cool. I would have never thought about that. You were so, waiting in a post office. Yeah, in here, there was a location called Merchants Exchange where next to the post office was yeah. the coffee house, yeah. uh, which was the Sassara Coffee House. And that's how people will go into the coffee house and wait. Um, to keep people there and entertained, coffee houses at the time will also serve f- free food. Um, really? So they will be always... <laughs> like, a yeah. like a tapas bar. Yeah, there yeah, will yeah. always be uh, a food element part of lunch mm-hmm. uh, that it was served for free as long as you were consuming product mm-hmm. um, or consuming cocktails mm-hmm. or drinks. Drinks at the time that were not necessarily yeah, yeah. known as cocktails yeah, yeah. In, the, in the way that we enjoy them now. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Oh, that's so, so there's, cool. Yeah. There's a lot of um, great culture and, and particularly tradition. New Orleans is yeah. a very, is a city that um, embodies a lot of different traditions and it embraces those traditions in a, in a very unique way. Yeah. That's why visitors from all over the world love to come to see and experience yes. that. Um, so the fact that we now have one that focuses on that uh, element, which yes. we have never had before. Yes, New Orleans, in New Orleans, we enjoy a lot of cocktails, whether it's a hurricane, uh, even a daiquiri or yeah. a, a sazerac, but yeah. now the fact that we have a place for it. I mean, you talk about you talk about confusion it. of different things. I, like a daiquiri is another yes. one. All my friends that are in the cocktail industry say, number one, if you go into a bar and you really want, even Matt, who we we're hanging yeah. out with, uh, we he says if you're going into a bar and you really you want to just order a cocktail as you're trying to make up your mind for another one or a see daiquiri. what they're doing, a daiquiri. Yes. I always go for that. Do you do too? Yeah. Okay. But then you come here to New Orleans and maybe you are just straight touristy in the French Quarter and you order a daiquiri. You get something frozen. Correct. <laughs> like full of ice. So it is, I, I like that, like of stepping aside and going to a cocktail bar and ordering a proper daiquiri. If, I, if my day is going to go down the path of rum, yeah. I start with a daiquiri. If my night is going to start with uh, whiskey, then I go an old-fashioned way. Yes. Uh, Interesting. Stick with the same spirit? Like, and I, I, I normally stick with the same spirit mm-hmm. throughout the night. Interesting. As I get older, I, yes. as you get older, you understand that. Yeah, you're sticking that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picking one and I'm going down that route. I, that's interesting. I like that. Um, I Because it helps me, as you yeah. mentioned, make up my mind as yeah. I go along, is what else am I going to have? What, mm. what am I going to have next? So uh, let me have something that is familiar, that is comfortable, that it will get the night going. But I, then it, it buys me time to look at their uh, whiskey selection. And I can now select something that is a lot more yes. enjoyable that I can have with my meal. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe I can just continue down the, the old-fashioned route. But yes. I normally start with a cocktail and then I move on to 
uh, straight spirits. Yes. And that's so fascinating to me because everything you just said about you and um, cocktails is l- exactly how Sarah and I travel, where you don't have to figure out the whole thing. You don't plan, if you don't plan out your whole itinerary for the day, everything, just want, figure out the, the direction you want to go and let one thing lead you to the next. Like, appreciate this, and, but with knowing that this, is going, this cocktail is going to lead me to the next one that I know is the perfect yes. one down the path. I and, love that. And that probably segues to my question to you, yeah. is where do you go from here now? <laughs> That's a good question. We, we have some good cocktail suggestions, uh, yeah. to go to. but there's also a place with a really good happy hour with cheap oysters that we were doing. Yeah, we're trying to decide if we're going to go cocktail cocktails first or oysters. What was the name of the oyster spot? The Blind Pelican. Blind Pelican. Someone I'd never heard of it before, but a buddy said just go to the spot. Okay. Uh, get twenty-five cent oysters. Well, that, that's in the, for in sure. Garden district. Yeah. yeah. Then we'll go from there. Um, but the other spots that Which Matt was... The South sounded cool yes. because they do like kind of 1800s, 1900s. Yes. But that's what I love about a night in New Orleans is, or a day in New Orleans, you start with one thing mm-hmm. and before you know it, you're meeting individuals just like Matt yes. who gave you a whole list of totally. things to do. Yes. You go to one of those spots and then from there you keep on going. And be, yeah. at the end of the night, you might meet other locals that are going to bring you home to a barbecue or, yes. or a crawfish yeah. boil yes. or a bar, you know, some yes. sort of a celebration yes. that uh, we all have. And yes. that is tr- a true New Orleans tradition. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is the difference between whether you are, not that there's anything, I'm not, not that you want to be judgmental towards anybody that wants to spend the whole day on Bourbon Street, mm-hmm. uh, just going from daiquiri, frozen daiquiri to frozen daiquiri. But that mm-hmm. goes in, you, the way you're describing it, to me, it goes down the road of thinking and drinking. Like you sit down, have something, but be, that's my favorite thing about a, a cocktail is that it, uh, or like this stag junior, like we're sitting here and it, it almost forces you to be present and in the moment, mm-hmm. use all your senses. It's, it brings up conversation. And if you're open to conversation with people that are sitting around with you, that's when the magic happens. Oh, the doors are open there yes. at that point. Every single day of this trip, we've, we've chatted with bartenders at the local sitting next to us and then that's led our next day. So I like have this. a question. Yeah. So I like to eat out about food and drink before I come to a city. And so I did know about the Sazerac Bar. Is that connected at all to the Sazerac House? That's a very good question. And that actually could help us uh, identify some differences um, and and, and put the Sazerac House into perspective. Yes. Uh, So the Sazerac uh, Bar at the Roosevelt Hotel has been there for many years. Uh, They're great partners of ours, but there's really no relations Mm. to the Sazerac Company. Interesting. They... uh, got rights to utilize the name uh, and of course sell Sastra cocktails. And the best thing about them is that it, tr- it is true to our official recipe. Okay. So the Sastra cocktail in itself is the official cocktail of the city of New Orleans. Really? Yes. We are the only city that yes. has an official cocktail. That's uh, so fun. <laughs> really? And this is the, Louis- so cool. and the Louisiana that. legislature in 2008 uh, named the Sastra as the official cocktail of the city. Oh. So with that said, um, the fact that they serve it in the in the correct fashion with Sazerac rye whiskey. Okay, what is what bitter. is yes? What's the proper Sazerac cocktail? Someone wants so to make it home. The ingredients will be Sazerac rye whiskey, Peychaud's bitters, sugar, sugar, yeah. sugar cubes, uh, herb saint, um, and lemon. Yeah, 
Uh, that is, those are the five components that make a SAS rack. And Herb Saint is kind of in the realm of like an absinthe flavor profile. It's a, it's a, like past, a, it's a pastis, uh, so similar to absinthe. It, okay. Uh, in the 1940s, when it was introduced, it was introduced as a substitute to absinthe because okay. absinthe was banned yeah. at the time. So the flavor profile is very similar. Yeah. Uh, and it is used only for a rinse. What that does is that it really brightens the, the cocktail. Uh, it, uh, the whiskey in itself... Uh, it's nice and bright and, and yeah. fresh, but the herb scent brings it to a, uh, another level. And then the citrus at the end really uh, makes it explode before you even even taste it. Yes. So when you're when you're tasting a sassafras cocktail, you're going through the layers of citrus, absinthe, whiskey. Yes. Um, and once it hits your mouth, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Yes. Um, but so they do that very well at the sassafras bar at the Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, with us being um, just a few blocks down the street from them, uh, we're under the Sassar Company. And the Sassar Company has a large portfolio of products. Here at the Sassar House, we feature 19 of those products. Which I will say, uh, not to interrupt, but that mm -hmm. was probably one of the most surprising things about taking this tour. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the products, right. and it was blowing my mind of like... of whiskeys I love, the Pappy Van Winkle line, the, the Peychaud's Bitter. I didn't even know that Peychaud's was under right. this yeah. line. So anyways, the products were, uh, it was blowing my mind that it was all yes. under this. Right. And, and it was a very conscientious decision for us to ensure that the brands that were selected to the mm -hmm. house were brands that had connections and roots to the city of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So Peychaud's Bitters, Antoine Peychaud created this product uh, on the 400 block of Royal Street. Then we have Herb Saint, Herb Saint uh, Legende, um, created Herb Saint uptown in New Orleans. Uh, mm. So th those are all products that really have strong connections, strong, strong roots yeah. uh, to the city that we call home. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. So uh, then it, you said you have 19 brands that are here. Yes. We have various categories that uh, were selected. We have whiskeys. Uh, yeah. In that sense, uh, with our Buffalo Trace Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky, we feature some of their uh, products here. There was a connection, uh, a whiskey connection, where barrels of whiskey were sent down uh, from the Ohio River to the Mississippi, eventually to New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, that's the connection between Kentucky and us. Um, we also have rums. Yeah. The fact that the Port of New Orleans has become quite a, or was a, quite an integral part of um, introduction from the old world to the new world and yeah. from the new world to the old world. Rum trade was rather important here in the city. Uh, from that, we have some liqueurs that okay. we have introduced. Uh, the one that is very popular among our visitors is uh, pralines and cream. Uh, it's a praline. That's so good. It's a it's a pecan based liqueur with cream. Yeah. Uh, it goes fantastically with coffee. Yeah. Uh, over ice cream, I love it over oh, cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some king cake yes. from down here, oh. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, that is very popular amongst yeah. our visitors because it's, it's rich and sweet and uh, very comforting. Yeah. You know, in a way. Man, I that it that was that was again something that I wasn't expecting. They were they said you want to try sample this. I'm like, or even the rum. I the rum. I was like, what is this connected to? <laughs> yes, and it was and it's all done. Yeah. You would think. Yeah, it, it was surprising how uh, how great everything mm -hmm. was in the line. And of course, you you're walking through here, and you see something that's. Uh, as pronounced as like Pappy Van Winkle on the shelves, but there's so much more Correct. to that. And even Peychaud's, I had no idea that you were is one of my favorite bitters right. that it was under you. It was, so, it was so cool to be able to tour and see them mixing and blending yes. in the facility where they're like uh, like smelling and And it's great that you mentioned it because that's one thing that uh, when people come in, you're not just 
going into a museum. Yeah. We're so much more than that because you get to see actual production. We right. are making bitters here. Yes. It is being macerated, it is filtered, then it's bottled and it is mm -hmm. packaged and it's sold downstairs. Yes. Um, the same thing with whiskey. It is a full production from cooking to distilling and everything in between. Yes. Uh, we don't age it in New Orleans, so all of our product, once it's barreled, it goes to Kentucky to age for six years. After six years, that product will come back and then we'll bottle it. Uh, in the meantime, we are bottling product that is already aged, uh, that we've produced six years ago, mm -hmm. um, uh, anticipating the opening of the Sassarac House. Oh man, because this just opened, you said. Yes, we opened in October of uh, 2019, October 2nd to be exact. Oh, of 19. Of so 19. it's literally just a few months ago. It's uh, three and a half months ago. Oh uh, man. Well, here's, here's, what, here's my takeaway from this. What surprised me most coming to the Sazerac House was that you can come here and it's not just about necessarily the Sazerac cocktail. Yes, you'll, you'll learn about that. It's not necessarily just about the Sazerac rye as a company. Yes, you're going to learn about that. But the history that you're taught here, and I feel like this is such a cool place that if someone um, was coming to New Orleans and they know, okay, there's so many incredible cocktails to New Orleans outside of the touristy things I want to get out when I want to learn more about cocktails. The experiences we had of uh, walking through, okay, where does the word, where does the name old fashioned come from? Mm. Like learning about that. It's a little bit like a distillery tour, but a lot like, I feel like I just went through a cocktail class in Good, that. It was, it was that, and I'm sure it's intentional. That, with that. that was yeah. our, our true intention. Not only we are exposing you to our brands, yeah. but we're preparing you to go out there in the world and order cocktails yes. the correct way. Yes. So now you know, when you sit at a bar, yeah. what a Sasrach tastes like. Yes. And how it should be served. Yes. And what color it should have. Yes. The same thing with any of those cocktails that you came uh, across in the Mr. Boston experience with that wheel is, now you see how it is, you see the history behind that yeah. cocktail. Yeah, um, and and you're a lot more educated when sitting at a bar and, and placing an order. Yes. Yeah. Oh, because that's my favorite. That's my hope. My hope with this, uh, with doing the podcast in general, is that someone listening to this would at hearing it would f at least maybe have the courage to sit down at a bar and know. Okay, I know I like a Sazerac. Like know you know a cocktail that you like, and go ahead order that. But then as they're making that, as they give that to you, start a conversation, let that lead you to your next one. Try something, ask questions, start a conversation with someone to lead you to tasting something you'd never have. So I feel like that, uh, to me, that curiosity, that conversation, that just being open to the unknown is really embodied in the Sazerac uh, Thank you. experience that we've experienced today. Well, now your job is to carry that forward yes. every bar you Yes. Can. Okay, so uh, let's do this. I want to be respectful of your time. Miguel, thank, thank you. you so much no, for hanging you. out with us and chatting with us. You here. Uh, thank you. Let's put this into practice. Yes. Tonight, we're staying in the French Quarter. Okay. If we want to get a cocktail this evening, is there a bar that you would say go check out, go grab a go grab a Sazerac from this spot? Well, I'm going to I'm going to break it into categories. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we were yeah. on our ride uh, up here, we were yeah. talking about rums. Yeah. If you're into rums, visit Manolito in the French Quarter or visit Canaan uh, Table. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Great partners of ours, fantastic um, cocktail program that they offer at both bars. If you are interested in uh, classic cocktails, uh, for that you, can, you cannot go wrong, of course, the Roosevelt okay. uh, Sassrock Bar. Uh, you can go to Jewel of the South. 
you can go to Longway Tavern. Yeah, that's one I wouldn't have thought about. Mm. Yes. Lucky okay. Courtyard uh, of both Yolo of the South and um, Longway Tavern, but also their classic cocktail selection is yeah. fantastic. Um, if you like to adventure uh, outside of the French Quarter and go onto the other side of the of town, Cure uh, would be yeah. another place to go in, not only for co- for classic cocktails, yeah. but for any of their innovative um, uh, spirits that they they have in cocktails and drinks that they they offer over at Cure, um, and that gives you a good sense yes. of where to go yes. and how to and how to handle it yes 100 <laughs> percent. miguel oh there's rules thank you oh thank you so much cheers cheers uh cheers this is rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week i just wanted to say a huge thank you a massive thank you to any of you that have rated commented or subscribed to this podcast on itunes Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. If you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show... I'll show. <laughs> also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan. Whatever you 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 know the drill. All right, enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, <laughs> I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast, or else I'd have to tell you. Podcasting makes me thirsty, and nothing quenches a podcast thirst, whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey, Hovi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness, because it truly is made of more. That's all. All right. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.